TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go on this Tuesday night, the 19th of May. Uh, happy 44th birthday to Wolves Hall of Famer, although he fancies himself more a Boston Celtic, Kevin Garnett. Five years ago tonight, the Wolves won the draft lottery. They've never moved up in their history on lottery night that particular year. They were the worst team in the league, so they were supposed to stay at number one, but you never know with the lottery, right? The Wolves won the lottery for a bit. Flip Saunders loved Jalil Okafor of Duke. But he changed his tune shortly thereafter. In fact, actually heading into lottery night, he started to really change his tune. He was all over Carl Anthony Towns. And a few weeks later, the Wolves made it official, selecting Carl Anthony Towns number one out of Kentucky. We'll get to Gerson Rosas of the Wolves in just a bit. We'll make this a basketball-centric podcast. Gerson Rosas, Anthony Tolliver, Gary Trent Jr., and new Gophers big man Liam Robbins. Those will be the conversations. Let me empty out. My figurative notebook, basketball-wise, McKinley Wright, Champlain Park High School, University of Colorado. He is maintaining his eligibility, so he could end up back in Boulder for his senior year. He's interviewed so far with, I noted this in the last podcast, San Antonio and Detroit, but since he's also interviewed with Denver, Utah, Dallas, and Indiana. Zeke Naji, Hopkins High School, University of Arizona, Pac-12 Freshman of the Year. He is all the way in the NBA draft. He hired representation that is non-certified by the NBA, so he will not be back in Tucson for his sophomore year. He's interviewed already with who? New Orleans, Utah, Charlotte, and Washington. This week, he is knocking out the New York Knicks, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Detroit Pistons. Former De La Salle High School star Tyrell Terry, Stanford. If he's back, Stanford will be loaded next year. He is maintaining his eligibility, so he could end up back in Palo Alto for his sophomore year. But the sense is he would like to stay in the draft. Will a team make him a first-round promise? To be determined. Stay tuned on that. He has already interviewed with just about every team that picks between 16 and 30. He has spoken with the hometown Minnesota Timberwolves. On the Gophers basketball front, Booth Gotch, Utah, Austin, Minnesota, University of Utah. He is now officially in the transfer portal. As I noted on Twitter the other day, Richard Patino has officially reached out. The Gophers are heavily interested in Booth Gotch. Double-digit score last year at the University of Utah in the Pac-12. Some other schools that have reached out on Gotch in the Big Ten, Maryland and Illinois, Utah State. I note them because that's interesting. Utah, Utah State. Auburn, Arkansas, Eric Musselman at Arkansas reaches out on many transfers, as do the Gophers. I mean, the Gophers have two openings right now. So if you're a living, breathing transfer, there's a decent chance the Gophers have made some sort of inquiry. Now, I noted on Twitter about a week ago that the Gophers would inquire on Georgetown transfer Mac McClung. So he interviewed with 11 NBA teams, got all sorts of feedback. He's a YouTube sensation, Instagram sensation, because he has a 45-inch vertical. But he's more than that. He is a good player, really good player. Whoever lands Mac McClung is going to be very happy. It sounds like 
Maybe the Gophers did some work via back channels. McClung wants to play point guard. I don't know if Minnesota is the best fit for that. So it doesn't sound like there's much going on there in terms of the Gophers heavily chasing McClung. But make no mistake, there are a ton of programs, just like on Gotch, in on Mac McClung. All right, let's now transition to my conversations from the last handful of days. Let me start with Wolves President of Operations, Gerson Rosas. I spent a good 15 minutes with him on Friday via Zoom. Here is my conversation from Friday with Gerson Rosas. Gerson, I actually just got done talking to Anthony Tolliver, I think somebody that you know relatively yeah. well, or at least have crossed paths with. You know, he's one of these players that's that's on the NBA Players Association Executive Committee, so he's in the belly of the beast, right? And, and he said he's optimistic that you guys are going to resume the season. Doesn't know all the particulars, but like, I guess, do you, do you share Gerson Anthony's optimism? You know, I, I do. And, you know, I'm a little bit more cautious in terms of the timeline, because I do think it's going to take a lot of effort, but I am pretty confident in the fact that uh, one of the positive things here has been how all the major entities are working together. And there's a very strong spirit of cooperation, whether it's the league with the teams, the players, the players association, we all want the same thing. We all want to play, but we want to play in a safe and healthy environment, not only for the players and the staff, but also for the fans. And uh, once you have that unity at that level, I think it's why we've been able to work through things uh, in, in a productive and proactive way. Adam Silver deserves a lot of credit, but the players have been great. The union's been great and teams are doing their part to help us move forward. But uh, you know, Doogie, there's a lot of uh, conversations. There's a lot of ideas. There's a lot of thoughts uh, that are moving forward, and it's exciting. It's not where we were a month ago, let alone six weeks ago. Uh, you know, for example, our great partner, Mayo Clinic, the antibody test for the players and the staff, uh, you know, happened uh, this past week, and that's a step forward. That's a more information, better education, and helping us take steps forward to getting back to normalcy. Okay, so what was what was your involvement? What was the team's involvement with the an antibody testing? Was it was it just sending in a blood sample? You know, the, the league as a whole, and, and, and David Weiss, who, who oversees a lot of it for the league office, deserves a lot of credit. But, you know, Robbie Sika, our partner Mayo, um, they really pushed hard to create uh, options for the league and communicated how, you know, how well the program could be run. And, uh, you know, we were fortunate that David and his group decided it was something that, you know, was good for the league uh, and, and for the players. And, uh, you know, we're all just trying to do our part. And for us to be able, for Mayo Clinic to be a big part of it, and for us to be able to help and contribute to the research and the work that they're doing, uh, those are things that we try to look for all the time, uh, not only in this urgency, uh, but in this market. You brought up the name Gerson Adam Silver. Were you on the call on Wednesday with Adam? And I guess if you were, what, what stood out from that? I mean, you know, the, the big thing is just, uh, hey, we're, we don't want to make moves for the sake of making moves. We want to make educated decisions. And uh, Adam's been great about that, uh, you know, and our, our team and our league uh, have, have responded accordingly. I think there's a strong bond uh, even now as facilities are open in certain states, you know, and that's tough because you look across the country, some states are open, some states are closed. Every team, every organization has to make their own decisions. And Adam spoke a lot about that and in our need to make sure that we're doing the right thing for each of those situations. And uh, there's no pressure. You know, we're not, uh, the league's not pressuring us. We're not pressuring players. We want to create a safe environment 
and facilities at this day and age is more about just getting the players back in a good uh, mental place where they can get a little bit about their routine back. But we still have a lot of work to do. Uh, we still have a long way to go. Uh, but it's nice to see positive steps uh, after a period of time where there wasn't a lot of activity. On your facility, will it open up on Monday with, with Governor Walls easing things a bit starting Monday? Um, you know, we're still working through that. Uh, I don't think it's going to be open on Monday, uh, but we are getting close. Uh, and it is a process where we want to make sure we're thorough, we're diligent, we check off every box, and then we feel confident uh, that it's, it's a good environment for our guys and our staff. We'll open it, but it's sooner rather than later. Could you see a scenario where the season resumes, but it's, it's just right into the playoffs, or maybe it's I don't know, like Steve Kerr, I'm sure you've seen Steve's comments, and he doubled down. He even made the comments again the other day on a San Francisco radio station that he doesn't anticipate the Warriors playing again. So I guess where where do you stand on that? Like, can you see a scenario where, where the season resumes, but it doesn't include you guys? I mean, being a part of those calls and those conversations, every scenario is in play. Nothing's been decided. Uh, you know, I think the one thing is that's helped us is, there's no, uh, at this stage, no drop that date for anything. Uh, and, and what's important to realize is a lot of what we do now to finish this season is going to impact next season. So fortunately, we've got cooler heads that are prevailing. And uh, even if we've got to start later in the summer or whatever the case may be, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a strong consensus of, hey, let's, let's finish what we started. And uh, you know, to Steve's point and a lot of other individuals, if, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Uh, and, you know, we all want to do what's best for the league and we all understand the realities of that. Uh, but, you know, most guys want to get back to playing. Most guys want to be in the environment uh, that they were they were in not too long ago. Uh, but it's, it's still, you know, to be fair, and it's a reason why a lot of people think that, there's still a lot of work to do. Uh, and, uh, I'm sure Adam uh, and, you know, the teams and the league and the union and the players will make the best decision moving forward. But uh, things are moving in a good direction. There's still a lot more work to do. There's not a lot more efforts uh, that are going to be involved. Uh, you know, we selfishly in terms of development would like to get the opportunity to get back out on the floor and play and continue to grow and develop. Uh, but we'll be ready for anything. With the combine being pushed back, with the lottery being pushed back is – is your expectation that the draft inevitably gets pushed back to like August or September? Uh, you know, the reality is, you know, as you look at the landscape we're in, you can't have the draft unless we've decided on, you know, we finished the season or we've canceled the season. So uh, Adam and, and, and the league will make that determination. Uh, but we need more information for that to happen. And as a natural result, uh, you would expect there to be some delays like there's been with the combine and other uh, platforms in the NBA, but that's just the reality. And I, I do think, you know, there's, there's a window uh, in place now where if we push off next season later, uh, we'll be okay. You know, whether it's the draft or starting the season later, finishing the season later, whatever the case may be, it's just the reality we're in right now. And I suppose you're already knee deep in draft preparation anyway, right? Like, aren't you doing these, these virtual interviews already? Absolutely. Uh, for us, you know, and I say it in a humble way because we're not saving lives or we're not changing the world, but uh, this has actually been one of the most busiest periods uh, of our organization uh, in between, you know, preparing for the draft prayer, preparing for uh, potential return to the return of the start of the season, uh, preparing for next season, preparing for free agency. Uh, there's a lot that we have to take advantage of these days. So whether it's 
draft interviews, staff meetings, uh, you know, working with our players, keeping our players supported. Uh, our, our, our staff is, is doing a heck of a job. It's, it's pretty nonstop right now. Uh, we're, we're, we're killing Zoom. I wish I would have invested in it earlier, but uh, it's been a busy time. And, I, you know, it's, it's been great to see our staff work uh, under these circumstances and make the most of the opportunities they have. I suppose player meetings too. Like I heard, did Alex Smith, the Redskins quarterback, talk to you guys earlier this week? And like Dabo Sweeney's talked to you guys too? We've, you know, we've had everything from, uh, we do once a week, we do uh, a special speaker and we try not to make it about basketball, uh, just life and interest or whatever. And we've had incredible speakers. Joe Branch and his group have done a good job. We've had Bob Iger. Uh, we've had Alex Smith. We've had Tony Dungy. Uh, we've had uh, John Gordon. Uh, Robin Roberts. Uh, I mean, it's been an impressive group that really have helped our guys get out of their own uh, lives for a moment and and understand and learn uh, an external perspective that can help. But we've done that. We've done uh, organizational calls on the last dance, uh, which has been fascinating just from every perspective that's been involved in. You know, our our, our strength guys do zoom classes regularly with our players where they make sure they get all their work in uh we have a weekly chapel service for our guys that they've been very very involved in uh anything and everything we've really tried to connect the dots between our guys to keep them engaged and get and give them some sense of normalcy throughout the day on the last dance how much are you enjoying it and i guess it's just a reminder just how much the game has changed the game has definitely changed, and Michael's such an unbelievable talent. That's always fascinating to watch. Uh, but, you know, for me, it's been interesting because I grew up during that era. I wasn't in the league. Um, you know, Houston won those championships between uh, the Bulls championships. So it's, it's been fun. It's been fun to relive the memories, to see those stories. You know, being around the league, a lot of us have been, been privy to that. Uh, but to see it firsthand and to see – MJ's depiction of it makes it pretty entertaining. Back to the draft. I mean, how, how good of a draft is this Gerson to have? I mean, you guys are going to have three picks, it looks like. Three picks in what, the top 33 or 34? 33. Uh, you know, potentially have three picks there uh, with one of our the picks that we traded for. Uh, potentially uh, us receiving it, depending on what happens here the rest of the season. But we see a lot of value in it. Uh, we see a lot of draft capital there. We see a lot of flexibility, uh, whether that's picking uh, players to add to our program or using those picks to uh, move forward and trade as well. So for us, you know, where we were at a year ago, uh, to be in this situation, going to this draft with what's on our roster, with what's on our asset sheet and the opportunity to continue to add to this team really excites us. What positions would you be looking to add potentially? Uh, you know, for us, you know, we're we're in the right smack in the middle of evaluating the draft pools, and a big focus of ours is always finding the the, the best players available. I, I'm a firm believer the draft is a three or four year decision, and a lot of things can happen in your roster in three or four years, uh, as as this last year has shown. So, you know, we'll find the best players that are there, uh, and you know, but we're also going to be very aggressive and very creative in terms of of trades and that can mean a lot of different things whether it's finding veterans to help us now or pushing the picks out into the future or combining picks to move up uh we just you know we really like to have uh the resources there to have flexibility to do as much as we can come draft night suppose it helps too that, that you have players that have position flexibility like 
D'Angelo, in theory, could play off the ball, right? Like, if you wanted to draft a really good point guard, I mean, we can't just say that's that's not a possibility, right? Because you have guys that, that have flexibility. Absolutely. We'll look at we'll look at all options. And, you know, the reality is you don't get a chance to go to the uh, to the uh, superstar store and pick your position. You just find the best player you can find. And uh, the reality is, hey, we'll look at the board. We'll see where we end up. Uh, and, and I'm confident in our group to be able to do our due diligence. But there's good players there. There's a lot of work to be done. It's a little bit of a different uh, year in the draft with where guys are coming from and what their uh, careers look like this year. But for us, that's what, you know, that's what we enjoy doing and uh, having the opportunity to do it now and to be prepared for it and to continue building this program really excites us. Do you just lay out all the scenarios, what, what your salary cap could look like for next year? Right. Because like, we don't know, right? Like, will you have the mid level? Will you not? Like, we don't know what the cap's going to look like. Right. We don't. You've got to prepare for every scenario. And the reality is when the, when the, uh, when the bell sounds, you got to be ready to go. And uh, because of that, that really pushes us right now. And it's one of the reasons why it's such a busy time. You got to be prepared for whenever the draft happens. I give the NFL guys a lot of credit. You know, they didn't delay their draft. They had to, they had to go and execute under current circumstances. And then for us, you know, whether it's the cap or whether it's team building or whether it's free agency, whatever the case may be, we have to be confident and be prepared for every scenario so we can engage and not only execute our plan, but be prepared for opportunities that may present themselves. We're a couple of weeks after your, your one year anniversary date. I mean, a lot has happened in this one year, hasn't it? Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, People ask me, God, for your first year to, to go through everything you guys have gone through. Uh, but to be fair, Doogie, like, I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, and, and I say that because uh, we've been able to do a lot. It's been a productive year. We turned over the roster, uh, 13 out of 15 players, which typically takes two or three years. We've changed the culture, the identity. We're not where we want to be, but the foundation is, is, is slowly getting in place uh, where we can build off of this and challenges uh, tragedies, experiences like what we've been through over this year have allowed us to learn, grow, and become better as a result. On the tragedy part, I mean, is, is Carl doing okay? He is, man. That, that guy is uh, incredibly mature. He's, uh, he's got an unbelievable heart. It's the, the most powerful thing is he's, all, he's always trying to help somebody else. And I think that's how he, you know, he, he strengthens himself by being there helping and supporting others but he's been an incredible rock for for his family uh for those around him uh you know it's 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 there's nothing like a loss of that nature and uh for him to have to live through it with everything that's going on it's 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 incredibly powerful how he's responded to it not only you know with his family but his project with Mayo and, and getting ahead of it and trying to help others it just speaks to who he is and uh you know, his, his mother, Jackie, was an incredible woman. And uh, I tell him all the time, he's, he's her legacy. And uh, it's, it's, it's great that he continues to move forward at, you know, after going through something like that. It was great to hear the birds chirping in the background of there. Gerson had the window open at his residence. I asked there at the end about how Carl Anthony Towns is doing. I meant to ask about his wrist, whether he needs surgery. I guess I'll just say this. If the Wolves are part of the resumption of the season, and Gerson is right. I mean, there's all sorts of optimism that we will see basketball this season conclude. The question is, 
Might they just start with the playoffs, or might they just start with the top 10 or top 11 teams in each conference? We don't know if the Wolves will be a part of when they do resume games, but if the Wolves are, I guess I would not be surprised if Carl Anthony Towns doesn't play. That wrist may need some sort of surgical procedure. Don't rule that out. I asked Gerson about the possibility of drafting a point guard. I asked that because the buzz is LaMelo Ball has fans in the Wolves front office. That's Lonzo Ball's youngest brother. So he's an on-the-ball point guard. D'Angelo Russell played off the ball in Golden State. He certainly can play that way. Played off the ball at times in Brooklyn, I guess, when Spencer Dinwiddie and him shared the backcourt. I have to go back and look. But the point is, D'Angelo is more than capable of playing off the ball. So if the Wolves wanted to draft a point guard like Ball, they certainly could. At the beginning of the interview with Gerson, I mentioned I had talked to Anthony Tolliver earlier in the day. Let me replay that interview from Friday with Anthony Tolliver. Free agent Anthony Tolliver, his 10-day deal with Memphis expired on the day the season shut down. He was all set to sign a second 10-day deal with the Memphis Grizzlies, but he never had that opportunity because the league shut down. So I caught up with Anthony. He is on the NBA Players Association Executive Committee. So he has his fingerprints all over anything that involves the Players Association, including figuring out how to get games back going. So here's my recent conversation from Friday with Anthony Tolliver, former Wolves wing. Anthony, it was about a year ago, give or take a week or two, that you were moving out of your house in Plymouth. I came, that was the last time we chatted face-to-face. If I had told you then that you would sign with Portland, eventually end up in Sacramento, be bought out, end up in Memphis, then a pandemic would shut down the league. If I told you all that when we chatted last, it was like late May, early June. If I told you all of that, your response would have been what? uh who's this crazy guy um at my door right now (laughs) um yeah the last 12 months uh has been a pretty pretty intense and pretty insane um but um but yeah I mean it's just it is crazy how how things just shifted so quickly and how many things how many life events have happened for me uh in the last 12 months but I mean it literally is the epitome of my story. So, um, it, you know, doesn't surprise me. 11 teams in 12 years. Is that some sort of record or does somebody have you beat? Uh, uh I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I don't really keep too much track of, uh, those types of records. All I know is that I have a uh, pretty killer, um, Jersey collection that I'll be framing up and, and putting on my, uh, I have a little gym, uh, here, here at my house and, uh, frame them up, put them in there, and in my office. And shoot, I can put I can put jerseys all over the place. I got a lot of them. So, do you already have a Memphis jersey, or do we need the season to resume and for you to resign to to gain one of those Memphis jerseys you can add to your collection there? Well, I mean, I you know I played played multiple games in multiple different types of jerseys. So what what happens is once you're done with the team, then they send you the jersey. So I technically don't have any yet, but you know. If I go back there, then I would just use the same jerseys. But if I decide to go somewhere else, then uh, then they would just sh- ship me the, the jerseys. Take us through your role. So you're one of what? Just a, a select few on, on the Players Association Executive Committee. I guess what, what does that entail? Um, a lot of phone calls, especially right now. Um, and, you know, 
you're expected to be at the meetings and um, participate in all the uh, different events that, that the MBA, MBPA puts on. But mainly the biggest key is we are responsible for um, implementing a lot of the, the, the things that, that our players abide by. Um, and not, not, now I'm not talking about rules. I'm just talking about um, the executive committee ultimately has the last say-so on what goes on with our union. Um, above the executive director, um, above any of the people who work for the union, um, you know, it's their job to bring it to us in a way, you know, to un so we understand it, so we can make an informed decision uh, on certain things. But ultimately, we're the governing body um, of the NBA or, or of the MBPA. All right. So, with that being said, I mean, are you guys all on the same page? Is there a collective belief that that if there is a way, safety first, clearly, but if there is a way. You guys would like for the season to resume? Yeah, I mean, we haven't done an official poll or anything like that across the NBA, um, but I don't think there's any doubt that guys want to play. Um, and I think that guys want to do it in a safe way, right? Um, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, we can figure out a way to do it to where we're not, um, you know, putting the assistant coaches and, you know, especially – the older um, uh, people who would be in that environment, as long as we're not putting them at risk, um, you know, serious health risks and stuff like that, I think that's going to be the biggest key. Um, like I said, guys want to play ball. Guys don't want to lose money. Um, but I think that as long as we have the protocols in place that everybody's confident in, then I feel like that's, that's whenever um, things will, you know, start to pick up some momentum. Normal circumstances here in mid-May – We'd be wrapping up the second round. I mean, heck, you know, transitioning pretty quickly into the into the conference finals. So obviously, you know, you think about the calendar, we're starting to run out of days unless everything is just going to get pushed back. I mean, you get the sense that if you guys start up in July and go until September or October, that's okay. And the next season would start like around Christmas. I mean, it's just logic, right? I mean, <laughs> unless we unless we're gonna, you know not have a season <laughs> to start on time for the following season. There's no way we could push this season back super far and not expect for it to run into next season um, as far as when we could start it. So, you know, I mean, I know that there's different way, different things that can be done, different ways you can do it. I mean, you know, if, if, if the timeline that, that we've always had needed, needed to stay true, Right, if they wanted to stay true to that timeline, um, you know, and we still wanted to push this back, I mean, you could have a shortened off season um, because, considering obviously we've we've basically had an off season of sorts right now, right? So it's like, all right, well, let's say we come back and we have the playoffs, and the playoffs last two months, right? Who who says that we need to take off another three or four, right? Um, what if we just take off a month or two, right? That's what I'm saying. I think that there's there's different ways. And then all, and the next season could be, you know, maybe condensed, still have 82 games, but, you know, do, get some, get creative on some of the travel things, have a little, a few more, you know, a few more back-to-backs to be able to get in some, to make the season shorter in that year, to get back on track for the following year on the time, on the same timeline. I don't think that the timeline is actually that important um, 
to the owners or the players. So, you know, I think that in some ways pushing it back might help the NBA as far as ratings and everything else. You don't have to compete with baseball or football in October or November. Um, so if there's a time to make a change in the timeline, it'd be now. And I think that it's kind of almost naturally organically going to happen. What sort of concerns do you have? I mean, you're married, you have a family. Like what sort of concerns do you have? I mean, do you prefer this, this biodome type idea, whether that's Disney world or who knows Vegas, apparently Toronto even came up. Maybe you would know more than about that than I would, but do you like that idea of, of everybody being, you know, in one central location, you know, but are you comfortable being away from your family for, for many weeks? I mean, Honestly, I've done it already. It sucks um, being away from my family for that long, but I've done it. And so I, I could I could do it. Um, and I definitely, you know, would not want my family to come with me. Um, not because I don't want them there. It's because what could they do anyway? You know, really, it's like they would be stuck in a hotel. I'd rather them have space at their house and be comfortable and have a routine. Um, you know, so it's just... Um, I don't know. It, it's going to just be interesting. I, I, I don't think that anybody, anybody that's trying to have hope that things are going to be normal and anything's going to be normal about what we're going to about to do. They're just mistaken. I think everything is going to be different. There's going to be new protocols. You're going to, I mean, I think there's going to be, Hey, you're going to have to sanitize your hands every time you come on before you go on the court, after you go on the court in game, in practice, I think there's going to be all kinds of new protocols. Um, they're going to, I think they're, they might, might even minimize contact with each other. You know, it was already going in that direction, but it might even be more now, <laughs> just more individual workouts. And it, I don't know, man, I think there's going to be a lot of different changes until there's more answers, uh, you know, for these questions with what, what this is, how it works, you know, there's any vaccines or treatments, all that stuff has to be more. And then obviously testing, right? Testing is, is big too, um, to be able to help prevent as much as the spread as possible. Are there plans for another conference call with, with the commissioner? We're talking here on Friday the 15th. It was what last Friday that he hosted a conference call with, with a bunch of you guys. Um, not no plans as of right now. Um, doesn't mean that there won't be, um, but uh, no plans as of right now. What stood out, I guess, about that call last Friday? Um, you know, he had to he had to uh, be political. Uh, you know, it's like he he in those types of environments, you don't want to say anything that's going to be headliners um, in a negative way or even a positive way. You don't want to give people false hope. So, you know, some of the questions I know it was hard for him to answer directly because of the environment. We're on a Zoom call. It was not controlled. There's just a lot of variables there. Like, yes, you could be looking at me, but you don't see somebody right here that could be looking or recording this, right? So it's just not, you can't really, so I, I didn't I didn't really think there was a lot of substance that was, that came out of that call. There were a few things that were answered that I think guys, you know, thought were valuable, but for the most part, it wasn't like anything, you know, no breaking news, put it that way. It was no breaking news. Just basically basic stuff, letting us know, doing everything they can to get us back on track. I suppose every scenario is on the table. 
But could you see a scenario where the season resumes, but we just go right to the playoffs? So if you're back in Memphis, I guess that would be good news for you guys. But like the team I cover, the team here in Minnesota, their season would be done. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think there's a probably a higher chance of that happening than people really think. I mean, even if it is asterisks or whatever people want to say, you know, I think that's kind of the number one thing. And I think that would obviously garner the most fans as well. You know, if you have a regular season game right now, everybody would watch, right? Just like the last dance, everybody's watching it because people are just feeding for anything sports, right? Um, but I think that, you know, with that, I think that, yeah, just just having the playoffs is definitely a possibility. Um, I think that us as players um, would want to have multiple opportunities to play games before that. Um, even if it was just exhibition games, um, just like you do at the you know preseason, two maybe two or three tune-up games, then into the playoffs, and maybe against other teams, especially since we're all there. You know, it doesn't have to be against the team you're going to play against in the first round. Um, it could be a team from the opposite conference, matter of fact, right? Um, so there's there's a lot of different unique things that could happen with this new environment. I said if you're back in Memphis, so. So your 10-day expired literally on the day that, that things shut down. So technically, like right this second, you're a free agent. You're not a member of the Grizzlies? Exactly. I am, I am a free agent. Um, day 10 was, the, uh, was on Wednesday. Um, Wednesday was my 10th day. And then at Wednesday night at, I believe, 7.30 uh, PST was whenever – I got a text from our coach saying they just suspended the season. Um, and so it's crazy. I started the year in, in Portland, um, went to, like I said, went to SAC, went to Memphis. My 10th day on that contract, what we were, we flew to Portland. That's where my family was. So I was actually eating dinner with my family uniquely, like crazy, right? I hadn't seen them for two months. But eating dinner with my family whenever it all got shut down. So it was just, Crazy how the timing all worked out. Presumably, you'd like to land back in Memphis. I mean, that seems like that would be a, a fun team to be a part of. Like, to me, I think John Morant is, is going to be a superstar or at yep. least a star. You've got guys you know there. You've got Tyus. You've got Gorgie. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved I – loved, even though it was only 10 days, I, I really grew close to a lot of those guys. Um, you know, they accepted me with open arms, and, you know, I was able to go in there and contribute from day one. Um, literally signed, cleared waivers at 5 o'clock um, p.m. At 5.02, signed a contract at 7.30, played 20 minutes and contributed to the win. So, um, you know, it's it, it was a great experience. I had, I mean, I had already talked to Rich Cho, the, you know, the assistant GM, about, hey, um, when are we going to sign the second 10-day contract? So we was like, all right, cool, in the morning at 9 o'clock, We'll get together on Thursday morning, the morning before the game against Portland. We'll get together um, and sign the second 10 day. And, and uh, you know, kind of we had already had discussions about the rest of the year, possibly even next year. So, I mean, all these things were already happening. And then it all got shut down. So, like I said, who knows, you know, you know, circumstances are, will be different once this all settles down because people will be healthy and different things like that. But, you know, I would love to explore – that is another option or as an option, my number one option. Um, 
really going back. But, you know, since I'm a free agent, I guess technically any any uh, team would be able to, to sign me. Love to see you back here in Minnesota, although you wouldn't even recognize any of the faces, Anthony. Like, yeah, all that's left from last year is Okogie and Towns. That's it. That's it. Um, it's crazy. Um, that's the NBA for you. It's, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me at all. Um, and not, you know, obviously just Ryan, but Ryan and <laughs> Ryan and those two guys, I'd be the, the only two people that uh, I would be familiar with. Do you think Ryan has a chance to succeed long-term? Like, you know, just his demeanor, you know, him as a tactician, you know, schematically with his X's and O's and just the way he handles players. Do you feel like Ryan has a chance to succeed? Yeah, I do. Um, I think he relates really well to players. Um, he's, you know, a younger guy, a lot of energy. Um, I think he does well um, just being honest. Like he doesn't, doesn't beat around the bush. That's another thing I love about Taylor Jenkins is he's the same. And I think that this new generation of coaches, of young coaches that are coming in now, they have a unique opportunity to establish that trust with these young players um, and be able to grow with them as they grow. Um, and, uh, and also keep people accountable. Um, I feel like some of the older coaches in the NBA not going to name any names, but just over the years, I've kind of seen like this shift of like power, right? Like where players literally have all the power, which, you know, kind of weird for me to say this as a player, but it's like, I don't think that that drives the healthiest environment for a team. Uh, the, the coach has to have a certain level of authority um, and power in order for a team to truly work to its best ability, right? Um, players obviously have power, they need power, they should want power. But if a coach can't keep the star player accountable, um, then as a role player, I'm not really gonna listen to that coach either, right? There's just a certain level of respect that I think that, that they have to have. And I think that Ryan has done a good job of that in the time I was with him, um, you know, and then, the Taylor dealing with Taylor this year. Um, I feel like that was the same. Um, and then all, you know, even Luke Walton with Sacramento, um, even though I didn't play much and really wish I would have played more and all that stuff. I mean, when I was there, we were, we were playing great. I just wasn't on the court and hey, I'm an older guy. So I'm like, man, I got to get on the court one way or another. So that's whenever we, you know, discuss the buyout. So, um, but you know, of those guys, guys there, the players there, uh, Luke, you know, had a, you know, kind of that mixture of old school and new school, um, you know, but I feel like he, he garnered that respect. Anthony, thank you. That's all I needed from you. I could talk to you all day, but that was fantastic. Stay safe and I hope everything works out, you know, however you want it to work out. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. One of my favorites, Anthony Tolliver. I brought up last dance with Anthony, or actually I think he brought it up. I just looked at the TV ratings from Sunday night here in the Twin Cities viewing area. Let's just say this market, like a lot of markets, loved Last Dance. This market consumed Last Dance. With adults 25 to 54, it darn near won the night, which is pretty rare for a program on cable versus over the air, just because cable penetration here in the Twin Cities is still not great compared to other markets. It's gotten better over the years, but there are a lot of people who just don't have access 
to ESPN, who just have the conventional channels, right? CBS, ABC, Fox, NBC. So with adults 25 to 54, Last Dance nearly won in the Twin Cities on Sunday night. With men 25 to 54, it did win. Episode 9 actually had better ratings than episode 10. For comparison's sake... NASCAR did about a ratings point lower. One ratings point here in the Twin Cities represents about 17,500 households. And the golf on NBC now, primetime helps, right, with Last Dance. The golf was during the day. Rory McIlroy and those guys playing that skins match at that course in Florida, it destroyed golf. I mean, it had triple the audience that golf did. So I'm just saying, this market loved Last Dance. I think that is true of just about every big market in the country. I think just sports fans were yearning for something, but certainly here in the Twin Cities, everybody that had an interest in watching Last Dance seemingly did watch it because I'm telling you, the TV ratings were A+. All right, let's get to one of Anthony's former teammates. He went to Apple Valley High School through his junior year. His dad played for the Wolves way back when. His dad is Gary Trent Sr. He is Gary Trent Jr. He was having a very good year for the Portland Trail Blazers until things were shut down. I caught up with him a couple weeks ago. It was the day before Adam Silver hosted that conference call with all players, whatever that Thursday was, a couple Thursdays ago. Here's my recent chat with Gary Trent Jr. Gary, good to catch up. Let's start with what I understand is going to take place, correct me if I'm wrong, tomorrow where where the NBA is going to have some sort of, is it a conference call, a Zoom meeting with with any player that wants to participate? Are you aware of this? Uh, I was not aware of it at all. You just, you know, brought it to life for me. But, you know, there's talks about some organizations starting to open up, whether they'll let players come in and work out. And, you know, it all depends on, you know, that specific state and the state that they're in and what's actually going on, whether if they have a stay-at-home order, whether, you know, they have a a lot of people with the with the virus, you know. So little things like that's a lot of factors that go into it. You know, there's certain teams that's opening up and, you know, that's going in the right direction, you know, from not playing at all to actually being able to, you know, get back into a, a nice little rhythm. So it's, it's fun, it's exciting, you know, and it's, you know, kind of brings a little new energy to you. So, I mean, where are you guys at, I guess, in terms of the Blazers? Like, will you have access starting tomorrow to, to the practice facility? Yeah, it's all voluntarily. It's all, there's nothing, you have to come in, you better come in. It's just all if you want to, if you just want to put in some work, if you want to get away from your home, just to get some shots up, just to get a free mind, you know, to refresh, to rethink things. So it's a it's a good thing, but it's really, you know, only volunteer if you want to. Will you go though? I mean, do you need to escape the house? Do you need to get into the gym and just get some shots up? For sure. I always got to work on my game. I will most definitely be there, for sure. Ready to work, ready to, you know, do my job, continue to get better at what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to accomplish as a player and what I want to become. You've accomplished a lot this particular year. When you talk about your job, you've done a very good job. But what are some keys to, to this leap that you've taken this year? Just confidence. You know, I work hard, my work ethic. And just simply, you know, wanting to be great. Wanting to gel with the guys and, you know, want to be a part of something that's bigger than myself. You know, the organization has done a great job of helping me transition from, you know, college to the NBA. You know, this is about to be, you know, year two for me continuing or year three. It all depends on, you know, what's up in the air with the or with the teams and stuff. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. Just the confidence, you know, believing in my work, just constantly putting in the work and effort, you know. And when you do something after hundreds of times and thousands of times, you can't think anything but you'll be uh 
positive doing it, whether it's with jump shots, whether it's if you walked in the gym and you're dribbling all day. So on all aspects of my game, just trying to, you know, develop any weaknesses I might have. We saw the work ethic when you were when you were here, when you were at Apple Valley High School. How much are you motivated by the fact that I'm still shocked that you ended up going in the second round? But does that motivate you? And one could argue, who cares if you go in the 30s or the 20s or the teens? It's about the right situation. And it does seem like Portland is a really good situation for you. Yeah, you could say that. It's all really just on not where you, you know, number you get drafted wise. But like you said, the fit. Is the organization good? Do they believe in, you know, player development? Do they believe in their young guys? You know, every organization is different. You know, that's the great thing about Portland. You know, you come in and you have to earn everything through your hard work. And I've been doing that my whole life, you know. So it, it was an easy fit. It was an easy way to get back into, you know, a working hard rhythm. You know, that's what I do. So it's never, I'm never out of it. But like you said, yeah, I was surprised, you know, going into the second round. But, hey, you know, you got to roll with the punches continue to work, you know, at the end of the day, you're the only one that can, you know, determine your outcome in your future. So you put in the work, everything can take care of itself. Seems like it's a good spot there, though. Like, I'm thinking about, like, good veteran leadership, you know, especially with Dame. I mean, at least from afar, it seems like Damien is he's a really good leader. Like, I'd love to play with him. It just, it seems like he'd be a great guy to play with. Then I think about the young core, right? Like you and Simons and the kid from North Carolina and Collins. So it just, it seems like it's a really good mix there. Yeah, no, it's good. You know, we all come in. Everybody has one main focus, and that's to get better and to work hard, you know, from the top to bottom to the last player to the first player. Like you said, Damian Lillard is a great leader, you know, but he's not the only leader on our team. You know, we have Trevor Ariza. It's been in the year 15-plus years, if I can remember. Carmelo Anthony is a legend. name speaks for itself. Uh, C.J. McCollum, you know, the greatest great scorer in Portland history. You know, big contracts, top player, all that type of thing. So, you know, when you're around those those type of players and that energy, you know, you hear their conversation, you see the way they work, you see the way they talk, just everything about them from top to bottom, you know, that's what you're working for. I dream to be in a position at Carmelo Anthony in one day, you know, just dreaming of being around those guys and seeing them actually accomplish those dreams, you know, in firsthand. And I've been watching it my whole life since I was a little kid from watching Carmelo battle with Kobe in the playoffs from watching, you know, Dame Lillard grow up and watching Trevor Reza play with Kobe and stuff like that. So it's, man, it's crazy. It's just, you know, trying to soak up as much as I can and just be a sponge whenever, you know, I'm around those guys, whether they're giving me information on the court or we'll close Brandon by anything, you know, so it's cool to be around them and that energy. And it was seamless. I mean, you bring up Carmelo and certainly Trevor too coming in, middle of the year, but I guess on Carmelo, like it was pretty seamless, just his transition to joining you guys and him fitting in. And, and like, how much are you a sponge when it comes to Carmelo? Like I think about your game, Gary, I would think there's a lot you can learn from Carmelo. For sure. Yeah. Everything, especially, you know, on the offensive end, he has all the tools. He has all the moves, footwork, everything. Literally I'm watching every single thing he does, whether it's, I'm sitting, I just got done shooting and I'm taking a water break, but I see him on the court working with a coach. I'm watching everything, you know, that he's doing just to, you know, when he first came to the locker room and he first came to the team, the whole team was in shock. Like we really have Carmelo Anthony here, you know, that really shows how really a legend he really is, you know, being on the USA team and accomplishing everything he's accomplished in this league. So it's a, man, it's just a real feeling every day when you can, you know, just go to work with, with a legend literally, so. Is your hope that you guys will be able to finish out the season, that there can be some some sort of conclusion to, to the 2019-2020 season? 
yeah, you know, it would be a great thing, not for just, you know, Portland, but the whole league, the whole organization, you know, the, the whole world, you know, in a sense, if we could continue to find a way, you know, to stay safe, you know, but be able to play, you know, whether it's in a controlled environment, whether it's in front of fans, whether, you know, I'm, I'm willing to hoop and play anywhere, you know, that's just me speaking for myself, you know, not for everybody, but I would have no problem with it. You know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a basketball player and, you know, I love to play basketball and I'll play the game anywhere, so. Where do you need to improve as you get into, you know, years three and four and you get to that second contract? Mm-hmm. Where do you need to get better to get to that to that next level? I would say, you know, my mental aspect of the game is pretty good, but, you know, a certain level that you're trying to go to and trying to reach and achieve, you know, you have to have a higher a higher level of thinking. It has to be sharper. You know, there's little things you could do to obviously get better with that. Obviously, time. You know, as you get older, you get more mature. You understand the game better. Continue to watch film. You know, just little things like that to nitpick, okay, in this situation, I could have went over the screen instead of under it. You know, just getting a better understand for the game, being able to get, you know, players' tendencies. You know, for example, this year, it was year two for me, and this year 15 for Trevor. So when we're playing against certain players, he's telling me, okay, well, I've been playing against this guy for 10 years. I know he goes right mostly. So just little things like that, just knowing players' tendencies and knowing, you know, how they move to just really get you better on the, the mental part of the game, you know. But on the court-wise, you know, there's a, there's a lot I could work on, you know, that I'm going to work on. Obviously, my, you know, my ball handling. Yeah, it's good, but obviously I want to get it great. You know, my left hand, you know, my left hand is okay, but it's not great to where, you know, the level I want to be at. So those are the little things that, you know, I can't give it all because, you know, then, you know, people are going to try to guard me. But I got to, you know, just try my best. On the mental side of things, I mean, you've always been ahead of the curve, and yeah. it helps to have a dad that played in, in the league. I mean, just what sort of resources dad even to this day? Really just the mental approach uh, to the game, you know, when you step onto the court, it's like either, you know, kill or be killed in a sense. You know, at the end of the day, everybody on the court is fighting for something, whether it's sponsorship dollars, a position on the court, you know, you're, you're, you're playing for your life, literally, you know. So if you continue to, you know, don't work hard, you continue to, you know, party, do the things that, you know, don't keep you focused, it could, you know, it could, your life could change, whether good or bad. So, you know, just trying to stay focused and, you know, always trying to achieve the goal that's at hand. What was your welcome to the NBA moment? Like, was it the first time you you ended up guarding LeBron or whatever it was, your rookie year, you check into a game. What, what was that moment where you're like, okay, I'm here. This, this is the NBA. Yeah. I wouldn't say I really had a moment where I was, you know, obviously guys talk trash, but, you know, guys you look up to, well, they're doing good, they'll talk trash. But other than that, I just – that's probably the main thing I remember. When I scored my first basket, I was like, okay, I'm finally in the NBA. And then, you know, as one night I would see us play against Giannis, and then the next night we're flying against the play LeBron. And then once I started seeing these players every night that – I was playing against and what they're actually doing in the NBA game. And you're looking up at halftime, you see Giannis already has 20 points and 10 rebounds in his halftime. And that's what people, you know, really average for their game or would love to average that for a career. He's doing it in a half, you know. It really shows, like, wow, these guys are really good. Like, these guys are really great basketball players. So it really shows you, you know, how much you really got to work and, 
Um, but you really got to try to separate yourself in every little way you can with the little details, with, you know, the mental game and your diet and just little stuff like that because you'll need every single edge you can get because it's, it's crazy. <laughs> How about the first time you saw yourself in a video game? My older son recently acquired NBA 2K. He likes playing with the Blazers. Yeah. So he uses you a good amount. Okay. You're, actually, you're a good player in that game. How about just the first time you, you saw yourself in yeah. a video game? No, it's decent. It was, you know, everything I dreamed of. I've been playing video games since I was five, four. So to finally see, you know, my hair in the video games, you know, my tattoos, I, I can send it to my family. You know, it, it was cool at first, but, you know, I'm pretty used to it now. So I just play it myself as much as I can. No, it's okay. <laughs> I'll hit you with a couple more. Your former high school teammate, Trey Jones. What what sort of pro will Trey be? I feel like Trey will be a great pro. You know, he works hard. You know, he does it the right way. He's been nothing but, you know, successful his whole career. You know, I've seen it since, you know, fourth grade, literally fourth grade. So it's great, you know, to see everything that he's accomplishing, you know, see his success. Hopefully, you know, obviously he'll get drafted. You know, I'm excited to see where he goes, see what he can bring to an organization, you know, defense, leadership, everything. You know, there's not one organization he couldn't go to where it wouldn't be, you know, a positive where he's bringing nothing but negative energy to the organization in, in a positive light. So, yeah, it was, man, I'm excited for him. I'm happy for him, you know, and good luck to him in the draft. I can't wait to see what, you know, how it goes. Do you know any of the other local draft guys? Like, did you cross over with Daniel Oturu with Pulley or mm -hmm. yeah, Zeke, Zeke Naji was with Pulley for for a hot second yeah. too? Yeah, I played was I played against Zeke actually. I was on U seventeen and he was uh on our fresh fifteen U team or sixteen U team at the time. So he was younger than me, but we played against him in scrimmage a couple times. You know, when I first seen his development, it's crazy how much, how far he's came because when he started to how he was at Pulley, you know barely able to chew gum and walk at the same time. And now I see what he's doing in Arizona. It was crazy. I was like, wow, you know, he's really putting the work in. You know, I'm happy for him. But the same thing with Daniel. I actually was with teammates with Daniel for a season for Pulley with AAU. And his development as well, too. You know, he did the same thing as, you know, Najee in a sense. But he got better just slowly but surely. You know, he stayed with the grind. He stayed believing in his craft. And he had a pretty good season. So um, I can't wait to, you know, see what happens to him, too. It's a lot of, it's a lot of guys. So. The Apple Valley connection over a five-year stretch. So it goes Tyus, then you, now Trey. Like, just how crazy is that, that, that a suburban, you know, St. Paul, Minneapolis high school produces three NBA players over a five-year span? Yeah, you know, it's crazy when you think about it. And it's just – and it wasn't forced. It just happened by luck. You know, when I moved from Ohio, I just so happened to move to Apple Valley. So who knows – if I would have moved to Burnsville or if I would have went, you know, Lakeville or, you know, anywhere else. So it, it was crazy, you know, how we all came together, you know, at the exact same time too, you know, around I was, as Tyus was leaving, I was coming in, Trey was right behind me. So it was just like a domino effect of, you know, just the work we put in, you know, we all had one goal, you know, one dream. We focused on, on it. We locked in on it. We put the work, you know, to get there and, we made it happen. So we're going to, you know, continue to, to do that. You know, they have little nephews. They're going to try to, you know, pave the way for And I have little brothers I'm going to pave the way for. So, you know, just going to try to keep it going. On Zach Goring, your, your high school coach at Apple Valley. I mean, he's only 43. So 
Mm-hmm. I don't think he's like done, done, but he's got kids, right? Like he's got an 11 year old and like a 13 year old. So yeah. I get it. He wants to be around them as, as they're playing their yeah. sports. I think he might coach again one day, but, but him yeah. walking away from Apple Valley, when you heard the news, I guess, what, what was your reaction? I was, you know, wow. He's, he's finally walking away. You know, it's been a, it's been a while. It was a, it was a, a bumpy road, up and down road. When I think about Apple Valley, I think of nothing, but you know, positive memories, great friendships that I've made that's going to last forever, you know, and take everything, you know, that I learned from there and, you know, bring it to my everyday life, you know. Apple Valley changed my life. My best, I met my best friend there, my people that I still talk to to this day, everybody, all my friends, childhood friends. So Apple Valley, man, it's a great place. I love everything about it, you know, so many great memories. On your best friend, is is that the young man that's that's had to overcome a lot that that is lucky to be alive to this day, Jay Jordan, yeah, Jordan Bolton, yeah. yeah. Tell us the the background story there. Yeah, no, I first uh, I first met JB when I actually moved to Minnesota. I was in fifth grade, and we met him at a tournament, and they were the top team. And he at the time in fifth grade, he was a pretty good player. He's probably one of the, the best players in the state at the time. You know, I was playing up at the time, but so for the fifth grade, he was probably one of the best players. So then we finally met him. We played him. My dad was a coach, and we came up with a plan to guard him. And we was guarding him like how the Pistons were kind of guarding Jordan. Obviously not as physical, but whether we was just trapped in and we was focused on him. And then to that day, I hold that over him forever, that we that we beat him in fifth grade during the state tournament. So, you know, it, that's the first time I met him. And then after that, parents just started talking. And then he just so happened to move to Apple Valley too. So it was it, it was a great thing you know, with the dynasty as best we can with Cameron Kirksky as well and Brock Bertram. So, man, we had some pretty good talent, you know, in one building. And on JB, though, what what happened to him where – I guess just take us through the story. I don't know the whole story. I only know snippets. So you can tell yeah. it better than me. What what exactly happened to him? Yeah, well, obviously he was a cult. He was a school in uh, North Dakota. Uh, he was with some friends. He was with some friends. He took something. He ended up uh, like running. He ran through, like he ran into a wall, and then was paralyzed from the neck down. Was passed away. Uh, was in North Dakota. I think he had flown back to, uh, I want to say, the Mayo Clinic, or was to somewhere downtown Minneapolis, somewhere. And then after that, they brought him back to life, and just uh, now he's on the road to recovery. You know, from the spinal cord injury, but. To make a miraculous progress. You know, they told him that he would never be able to feel anything from the neck down. He'll never be able to move again. He's currently now uh, in a power chair. He can move the power chair. Uh, he has movement. He feels everywhere. He has leg spasms where his legs will spasm. His arms will spasm. You know, he has control over his arms. You know, so he, he's getting everything they said he wouldn't get back. He's getting back faster than ever. You know, it was a good thing for him. He wasn't young when it happened. And he was in shape. His body was healthy. So his, the biggest thing for him right now is just getting uh, the nerves back to fire. And then once that starts happening, you know, the sky's the limit. But from there, he's just getting movement back and building strength. That's the biggest, you know, the two biggest things right now for his recovery. How much does he inspire you? Yeah, you could say he inspired me a lot, you know. He's doing this every day. This is a everyday grind, about six days a week, seven days a week. Whether he's going to the gym, you know, he goes to 
different places we've seen different specialists they're working on just different muscles and small muscles they're trying to get back strong and big so he's working with a team full of people that's you know trying to help him to the best of ability and you know, everything is on up and up you know nothing he has not had one setback in the recovery at all so it's it's a great thing just got to continue to work continue to believe gary thank you tell your dad i say my best and, and hopefully we see you soon okay perfect appreciate you Former Apple Valley High School star, current Portland Trailblazer, Gary Trent Jr. While recording this podcast, episode 297, I got an update on the Utah transfer, the Austin, Minnesota native Booth Gotch. The Gophers have not conducted a Zoom chat with him yet. That's expected to take place before the week is over. He's done some Zoom meetings with some other coaches, but not quite Richard Pitino yet. Pitino has planted the seed. The Gophers have officially registered interest. They are highly, highly interested in Gotch. But just as of this point here on early Tuesday evening, the 19th of May, the Gophers have not conducted a Zoom meeting with him, but look for that to take place before the week is over. He could, if he ends up committing to the Gophers, he could be teammates with Liam Robbins. In fact, he would be. If he commits to the Gophers, he would be teammates with Liam Robbins. Liam Robbins is the big man transfer from Drake. He is the new Gophers big man. The hope is he can be eligible right away. He will try, but if the NCAA doesn't pass that legislation to allow first-time transfers to be immediately eligible, he'll have a tough fight on his hands. So he may have to sit out next season then be eligible, I guess, what would it be for the 2021-2022 season. But whenever he's eligible, he will help the Gophers. He was a really good player for Drake. I caught up with Robbins recently. Here's my chat recently with Liam Robbins. Liam, now that we are, what, multiple weeks in front of your decision to ultimately decide to come here to Minnesota, I'm sure it was incredibly busy those days after you entered the transfer portal, the day you decided to come here to Minnesota, the few days after. I'm sure your phone was blowing up. You were inundated. Have things started to slow down now, now that we're multiple weeks ahead of it? Oh, uh, definitely. Uh, my phone's definitely slowed down, uh, but I'm still hearing from, you know, the coach of Minnesota every day for the most part, you know, keeping in touch with me, seeing what I'm doing to stay active during quarantine. So, so that's good. What are you doing to stay busy during the quarantine? Uh, you know, I got a hoop outside, so I, you know, I shoot there and stuff. And then along with that, I just do like bodyweight workouts and run, you know, run outside like everyone else. So. That's just that's how I've been trying to stay in shape. On the on the why Minnesota part, I guess why why are the Gophers the best fit for you? Obviously, I had the the family connection with uh, my uncle being the associate head coach and my cousin being on the staff. But uh, Coach Patino, he called me that first night and just told me, "Hey, we have a spot for you. Uh, we see you uh, being able to help us." We have this great core of you know guards and forwards coming back that we think you would really uh, fit in well with, and then just you know he took me on a virtual tour uh, and you know I met uh, Coach Linstead as well who's you know on the staff and it just seemed like a really good connection and I was just like you know I'm not <laughs> not really trying to mess around I, this seems like a good fit like I'm gonna go with this and because of the fit I mean like did the video come up did the name come up Daniel Oturu that that Daniel is obviously moving on that that it should be pretty seamless for you just to take over that spot and, and play comparable maybe or be used comparable to how they use Daniel? Yeah, uh, they use Daniel Toro just to show me, like, you know, how they develop big men because, you know, that's my position. So that was more what they pitched to me, not necessarily the, you know, role per se, but just, hey, this is, you know, we've had Jordan Murphy, we've had Daniel Toro, like, 
you, you can be next. You know, we'll get you to that point. Take us through your skill set. I mean, a lot of us have watched clips from from Drake, but like if you had to write a scouting report on yourself, describe the kind of player you are. Um, I, I mainly, I, I'd say I specialize in defense. I, uh, I try and be a really good rim protector, shot blocker. Uh, but uh, the main thing is I just try and give a lot of effort and I'll run the floor both ways and just uh, really just try and be an effort guy. But I, I, I have a little bit of skill. I can step out and shoot the three, which I'm hoping to develop more of. And so I, I think I, I'm a little more versatile than some people think. And stepping out on, on, on that front and, and shooting the three, I mean, is your sense that Coach Patino is, is open to you doing that? Uh, I believe so. I He talked about, you know, we're going to have, you know, parts in practice where we, you know, specifically work on your shooting and stuff. So that was uh, exciting to hear that, you know, coach wants me at A, you know, or, you know, to be able to step out and shoot. So I was excited to hear that. How far did your game grow in the last year? When you look at that last season at Drake, just the step forwards you took, I mean, how much did your game grow? Uh, it, t- it took uh, a-, a huge jump for sure. Like I, I never had a, starting like I started my senior year of high school but I didn't play a lot of minutes so that was the first time I was in a starting role playing sig- significant minutes so just that experience I feel like helped me make that giant jump is just getting that uh, those game-like experiences you can't replicate in the practice. Was the first giant jump you made just transforming your body I mean the stories are out there how much you worked on your body going back multiple years was that the first giant step? Yeah um sometimes Christian you know I lost the weight and you know I can't thank them enough for everything they did to to get me to this point because uh my prep coach uh coach AC you know he was like I'm gonna get you in shape because that's your main thing I was growing I just got done with a huge growth spurt Uh, I was overweight he said I'm gonna get you looked apart because but mentally I'm also gonna make sure you're there and he was very good about teaching me and like the rest of our team like the the advanced you know play of college basketball so when I got to Drake, I was more prepared for how they were going to, how we were going to practice and play and stuff like that. So I feel like that was a huge part for me to be able to make these jumps. Are there quantifiable numbers? Like, do you know what your body fat percentage was maybe when you got to Sunrise and maybe what it is now, or just in terms of overall body weight? Uh, I, I couldn't tell you. I, I really couldn't. I know I weighed in uh, around 300 and I left weighing 230. And so I was significant. And then I weigh about 240 now. I put on some muscle since I've been in college and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's no quantifiable, quantifiable numbers, but uh, that's the only number I got, really. I mean, just overall, just how much better do you feel right now at 240 compared to where you were at 300? Uh, insanely better. It's you, I guess I didn't notice how much better I felt until I went back home after I was done at prep school. Cause then I was, I was playing with my old high school friends for the first time. And they were like, dude, this is like weird. Like I was dunking everything. And I was, it was, it was a big jump from, I had one dunk in high school to we played a pickup game and I had, I think six or seven dunks in one pickup game. So it was just a big jump. I talked to Marcus Carr a few days ago and he said, you and him actually go back a few years. Just take me through your relationship with Marcus. Yeah, so I, I have an uncle who is a announcer for the Toronto Raptors, and he had me come up and try out for this AAU team in Toronto, uh, the Northern Kings. And actually, 
Marcus was in the gym at the time of my tryout. So I worked out with him and I met him and like over the next few weeks I was up there, you know, I got to know him a little bit. So it was kind of cool because I watched him play times this year. I was like, yeah, like I know him. And to get the opportunity to play with him is kind of a full circle type deal. And is that relationship just growing more and more? I mean, whether it's group chats or whatever it might be right now, I mean, is that bond, you know, forming more so right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't talked to a lot of the guys right now just because we are far apart. But, you know, right now I'm just in the process of getting everyone's number. And uh, the main focus is just making sure I get all my transcripts sent over to the University of Minnesota. But I'm sure it will grow uh, once this stuff starts clearing up. Do you have any sense whatsoever? I mean, the goal, I mean, everybody would like to see you immediately eligible next season. But do you have any sense of how that process could play itself out? Uh, I really, unfortunately, have no clue. Uh, I believe we're going to file for a waiver, but that's all I know to this point. And, I mean, I guess it's just, you know, because there's some talk of the NCAA at some point, you know, first-time transfer, immediate eligibility. But I guess the question is, is that now? Is that a year from now? But if it happens to be a year from now, you just, you don't know, right? Like the quarterback at Ohio State, Justin Fields, becomes eligible right away. And a lot of us were scratching our heads saying, what? Like, that doesn't make sense. He leaves Georgia goes to Ohio State, he shouldn't be eligible right away. So it almost seems like it's random. So I guess the hope would be that maybe that legislation passes immediately that that all these transfers can be eligible right away. Yeah, I mean, that's just the hope right now. I mean, it is just crazy. So I'm just going to, uh, you know, keep a positive outlook and be optimistic. But, you know, I'm prepared for whatever happens to happen. I mean, what's the dialogue like right now? I mean, you know, you mentioned your uncle, Ed Conroy, and, and Coach Patino. I mean, is it multiple phone conversations in a week? Is it just a lot of text messaging? I mean, what are what are they doing with you right now? Um, it, it's a little bit of everything. I've you know, I've texted all the coaching staff throughout the the weeks. Uh, I've uh, had FaceTime with Coach Patino. Uh, talked to my uncle a lot. Sometimes it's just about family, like, but uh, a lot of phone calls. It's just a little bit of everything. Kind of what everyone's doing right now to communicate. You're just using different ways to. Uh, reach people so that's it's just been a variety of things the virtual tour I mean I guess what stood out I mean the the new practice facility is is a plus yeah uh, I think that was the coolest thing for me and just the for me the athlete cafeteria was a, a really cool thing because I wasn't used to that you know at Drake there was just a cafeteria for everyone so to see that there's like stuff uh focused on and just for the athletes to get their proper nutrition I was like that's big change so that that was I think the coolest thing on the virtual tour but those facilities are just second to none as we start to get to know you Liam over the next couple years what what will surprise us about you uh surprise um I don't know I mean the thing that usually surprises people how tall I look in person and I just a lot of people haven't seen the seven-footer, so that's kind of the only thing. Are the growth plates even still open, or are you done growing? Um, I got an x-ray maybe, like, last year for something, and I think they said that they had, like, were open, like, enough for, like, a quarter inch, but they're, like, they're probably just going to close soon. So I think I'm done, which I, I think I've stopped at a good point. New go for big man, the transfer from Drake, Liam Robbins. Unfortunately for Liam, signs point to the NCAA not passing 
that first-time transfer immediate eligibility legislation this year. Maybe next year, but for this year, if Liam is to be eligible, if the Gophers end up with Booth Gotch, if they end up with a different transfer that still has multiple years left, that they'll have to get the waiver, that they'll have to win that waiver process with the NCAA, which seems to be very random or even favors some of the big-time programs. So, yeah, again, we should have some news in the coming weeks of the NCAA officially making a decision. But right now, signs point to the NCAA saying no to this year to these transfers being immediately eligible. Graduate transfers, that's a different story, but I'm talking transfers with multiple years of eligibility remaining. All right, we are done. Scoop Podcast episode 297 is in the books on this Tuesday night, the 19th of May. It's been a long one, so if you wanted to fast forward through some interviews, hey, whatever you want to do, always appreciate you listening. Stay safe, stay sane. With Black Friday savings at the Home Depot, you'll find top brand kitchen appliances with innovative features that can do more so your holidays can be more. Ovens with built-in air fryers for baking the perfect cookies. Dishwashers with smart tech to clean everything from bakeware to festive mugs and high-capacity refrigerators to keep leftovers fresh. Shop Black Friday savings and get up to 30% off, plus instantly save up to $750 on select GE kitchen packages at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Offer valid November 2nd through November 30th. U.S. only. See store or online for details.